podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! delighted to say we've got uh, Prakash Wakanka tonight, uh, a esteemed commentator. In fact, Prakash, uh, this club is modestly titled, as you can see, World's Best Cricket Club. And I definitely think you are one of the world's best cricket commentators. So congratulations for that and welcome to our club. Thank, Thank you for being with us. Um, Actually, I mean, you know, first thing says, I know we're going to talk about India and the uh, this is like a preview to the India test match on Friday. But first, go on, give us your impressions of, of that test match at Headingley. I don't know what to say. I mean, look, to be honest, I couldn't recognise this England team at all. I mean, I've seen them on television, of course, uh, in the in the Trent Bridge game. And you get the feeling that, okay, you know, one of those days, thing, everything comes off and Bairstow played that blinder. And then you watched uh, folks like Joe Root playing, I don't know what it was, the, the switch hit, reverse dill scoop for six or whatever you want to call it. Just just the, the self-belief, whether in the field or with the ball or with the bat, just seems to be completely, completely different. And I think, irrespective of what happens over the next week, uh, I think it's going to be fantastic for Test match cricket worldwide. You've watched you've watched a lot of Test cricket, and and obviously you're you know knee deep in sort of Indian culture and Indian the, the way that India has reinvented cricket. Really, do you think it works to play like? Can you play like? Can you continue to play like that? Do you think how will India deal with it? Okay, they're two two very different questions, right? I mean. Uh, can it work and how long can it continue? I think only time will tell, Simon. I don't think any of us can. I think as long as it works, as long as it uh, delivers the results that England want, it'll continue. Uh, it'll take two or three or four uh, bad performances resulting from that approach for that to change, in my opinion. I think it's a, it's a reflection, really, of uh, adapting, if you will, to the situation and deciding that it was going to be, this is going to be the approach that England is going to play with. And it's very similar, isn't it, to what Greg, uh, to what uh, Morgan did to the white ball team, uh, in terms of saying I'd rather be forty for two than be twenty for no loss in the power play. Uh, that was the approach, and that seems to be the approach here. Uh, so therefore, that's that put aside. That as long as it works, it'll work. Um, I think practically because they are such superb athletes, all these international cricketers, they will adapt. So I don't think it'll continue to be the same. Uh, if you look at uh, Stokes's shot uh, when the when he got out at Headingley in the first innings, uh, it was clearly uh, what many argued in that com box that afternoon reckless. It wasn't aggressive; it was a reckless. Now, if England had gone on to be bowled out for 120, might have been a very different narrative emerging from it. But just the remarkable partnership between Overton and Bairstow just turned everything around and and changed the game. Uh, yet again, coming to how will India deal with it? Look, I don't think uh, under Rahul Dravid's uh, leadership as coach or for that matter, anyone else's, India are not going to try and match them stroke for stroke. No way. That's just not India's style. 
I also don't think they'll be as passive as New Zealand were, uh, in part because India have better bowling resources. That doesn't mean the results will dramatically change or can, but the fact is they'll have options. Even as they think about the team selection, they'll be thinking about all these things. I mean, New Zealand desperately missed Ajaz Patel in that game. There's no doubt about it, um, and so on and so forth. So India will deal with it in their own way. Um, but the fact of the matter is a lot has changed in both sides as they come off and face up to each other next week or next uh, on the first, two days from now. Good point about the, the New Zealand bowlers and the Indian bowlers. Of course, they, another person they miss New Zealand, I think, is Kyle Jameson. I think if he'd been fit for the second and third test, he obviously broke down in the second test. I think if he'd been there for the second and third test, I mean, you remember how well he bowled in that World Test Championship final in Southampton he against did. India. I mean, he was, he was, for me, he was man of the match. I think he, I thought, I think he was man of the match, actually. Well, and, yeah, I mean, he would have made a difference, wouldn't he? He would certainly have. And, and look, I mean, Colin... Uh, run home uh, mm. after his performance at Lords. I thought he was somebody that was sorely missed as well. And and before, you know, someone says, okay, you're only talking about one side. England have such a batch of uh, injuries for their fast bowlers, but you can't compare England in terms of its resource availability of players of the top order with New Zealand. So New Zealand would be hurt a lot more by the absence of those two than maybe England were by the four or five. And look what replacements. I mean, Matthew Potts, geez. He did not, at least I, did not miss Jimmy Anderson at all. Mm. And remember, it was a neutral test, so I wasn't worried about him bowling to India. But he was just phenomenal, wasn't he? Mm. And, and when you get replacements like that, what more can a captain ask for? Now, you talk about England's approach, uh, their batting approach. And, you know, you, India, started this, really, because... I think the game went through a seismic change in 2008 when the IPL was launched. And, well, I went to that first match uh, at Bangalore and saw McCullum. Yeah. It was interesting because, you know, I was invited uh, to, to attend that match by Manoj Badali, the owner of the Rajasthan Royals, who I was sort of doing a bit of work with. And I went to the game kind of thinking, well, yeah, I'm interested to see how this goes. I reckon it's got, it's got a chance. But no one really knew what was going to happen. And I remember actually sitting with McCullough that afternoon. I, was, I happened to be in that West End Hotel in Bangalore, nice hotel oh. with players stay. And I was sitting with him having a pizza. Actually, it was, it was me, Brendan McCullum and Shane Morn mm. having a pizza around the pool at sort of four o'clock. And... All the captains you remember were introduced, even though it was just Kolkata Knight Riders against RCB. All the captains of all the franchises were introduced that night, and Shane Warne was the only non-Indian. And I just sat with them. And, you know, there'd been a lot of publicity about the IPL, but really no one knew what to expect. And I remember sort of sitting with McCullum and marvelling at two things, actually. Uh, McCullum's, the number of, and the extent of McCullum's tattoos, <laughs> which, you know, 12 years, 14 years ago, kind of obliterated his entire body. And the amount of pizza that Shane Warne ate as well. <laughs> uh, and, and that he wouldn't eat anything else. But, you know, one of the things they both said was, we, we don't know what to expect here. McCullum then went absolutely berserk and scored that 158, not out, 13 sixes, hacking Zahir Khan to all parts and lit it, lighting up that stadium. And really from then on, 
the IPL has sort of blazed a trail for how to bat in cricket, which England have sort of moved on to the next level, both in one-day cricket and now in test cricket. So you started it. India started it. So India needs to now start to sort of, uh, well, not copy, but perhaps find their own route here. I think all, all teams will find their own route. I mean, uh, the fact of the matter is when Sehwag used to be at the top of the Indian uh, batting lineup, uh, he he played his cricket the way he did. Way, true, back yeah. when, way back when in the 80s, Srikanth played his cricket the way, way he did. Uh, the dominating sides of the West Indies in the 70s and 80s played cricket, which if it was seen in sort of uh, seen in today's context was probably exactly the kind of cricket that uh, England played over the last three years. Sidhu, would you put him in that bracket as well? Only, only when the spinners were the spinners on. Right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> not, not against the quicks. So I think, you know, that the fact is the IPL, yes. I think uh, even before that, think of, uh, who was it? Kaluvitarna and Jayasuri, when they sort of started yeah. playing uh, Lanka, yeah. top differently and, and redefined the power play. Great Batch and uh, Craig McCallum, I, um, and, uh, Dillon, I think, if, if I yeah. Yeah. yeah, went went and, and played played that way. So there have always been these these uh, folks who've gone out and sort of disruptors. Re- we call them in the modern world, don't we? Disruptors. Yeah, yeah, just that that's the right word in, in today's context. Absolutely. So there will always be those kind. Now, do we have bowling disruptors? That's the key question to ask, because if the bat is, you know, being used to disrupt. Will the bowling uh, find ways? I, I think, first of all, we need a, a more consistent Bukes ball, if I may say so. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had that's that, been... actually. I mean, we have had that. That's a very good point. But, you know, in the past, the last few years, the Dukes balls, you know, bend all around the place, gone around the corner. You know, it's it's like a snake, slippery snake. So I, I really don't know. And I, I know that the Dukes people don't really know what's happened this year. But clearly... The balls, there's something gone wrong with the balls. It's the cows not eating enough of the sort of fine Scottish grass or something. I don't know, maybe. But uh, anyway, it's certainly something, something's gone wrong. You see, I, I feel sorry for the bowlers a little bit. And I was watching them on the New Zealand bowlers the other day and sort of thinking, well, what are they supposed to do, really? What what can they do? Uh, especially, I mean, one day cricket, there's, there's nothing they can do, really. You know, Owen Morgan said this to me the other day. Uh, I want to see, I said, well, you know, how can the... Uh, England one-day team improve, or how can one-day cricket improve any more? And he said, I want to see more from the bowlers. The, the batsmen have been ingen- ingenious. What about the bowlers? But the trouble is, you know, if you bowl slightly wide, it's a wide. If you bowl down the leg side, it's a wide. If you bowl above the shoulder height, it's a wide. If you uh, overstep the line, it's a free hit. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean there's so many restrictions on what they can do. They can only have five men out on the boundary. The boundaries are being brought in. What, what can they do? Yeah, think about it. I mean, the fact of the matter is uh, a batsman switch hits. It's mm. okay. Yeah. A batsman walks across his stumps. That's okay. A batsman takes takes guard on, on the off stump and keeps whipping everything away and, and gets called wide down the leg side. I think very seriously, if there has to be a little more balance restored in, in white ball cricket in particular, then I think some of these rules are going to have to be looked at, in my opinion at least, to, to even the playing field. Because only then will bowlers be able to do engineer stuff. I mean, today it comes down to the umpire's interpretation of how a wide yorker outside the off stump is to be treated if a batsman's actually moved towards the off stump. That, that, that line has no, no relevance. And some umpires still choose to stay on the line 
And that's really, I mean, tying one hand behind the back as far as the bowlers are concerned. Now, let, let's look at this India Test match. Um, it, uh, it's coming up on Friday. I want to talk about Virat Kohli. What's happened? He hasn't made a century in international cricket, I think, since 2019. Yeah. He's obviously given up the captaincy. He's... Tell, tell us, what's going on? What's going on with Virat? You, you, could, you could probably win the election for the next Prime Minister of India if, if you had the answer. Because I think the whole country and, and probably many, many people across the world have been searching for that answer. I think Virat himself has been searching for that answer. Uh, it's very difficult, Simon, as you can imagine, to try and read into what's going on. But there are two or three things which are sort of people have hypothesized about. My own view has been the fact that when you go out, great sports people, great people in life, in anything, in business, work, art, sport, when they go out in search of that goal or that target, sometimes gets a little bit harder than it was when you go out and just do what you've done. Uh, and is it a case like it was when Tindulkar was in his 90s as far as hundreds were concerned? Is it a case of the pressure finally sort of getting into the space between the years and saying when he was batting on 70 odd uh, at, uh, uh, where was it, Cape Town against South Africa, the old Virat Kohli would have actually just gone ahead and got that got those 30 runs in no time. Here he was continuing to graft away looking for those 30 runs. Is it that? I don't know. Is it just the pressure? I don't know. Is it the fact that he thinks wrongly done by, as far as particularly the test captaincy is concerned, the manner of the controversy around that whole piece, the manner in which the 50 over uh, white ball captaincy was whatever, taken away or he resigned, whatever. So can you tell us a bit about that? I mean, what, so what was the process? What, what happened there? So Virat had, had clearly indicated that he wanted to move away from the T20 captains and that he actually made that announcement before the World Cup began in the UAE and said at the end of this tournament, I would relinquish the T white ball captaincy. That itself, I think, triggered this because there are two schools, two sort of versions of it. One, uh, which Virat says that he did inform the board prior to going to social media. The board believes or says that Virat went to social media without informing them. I don't know what the truth is, right? Only the two of them will know. Uh, that clearly set off a series of whatever you call it, ego clashes, discussions, debates, whatever they may have been, which ultimately resulted in a controversy about somebody leaking that he was going to be asked to give up the 50 ball, 50 over uh, white ball captaincy as well. Virat uh, reacted. The, the BCCI said there's no such plan. We've not asked him to go. He then went ahead and resigned anyway. And, and when that happened, it was very clear that the test captaincy was only a question of time. Because I think in my personal opinion, without any sort of solid evidence for it, that the egos in the BCCI were far too bruised. And the fact that he wasn't scoring the, the big hundreds that he was, uh, you know, you, you, it's easy to walk by and knock a, knock a guy who's down already and give him one more punch and feel good about it. So I think that's probably what's happened. Uh, the break, from, I have another theory, and that's the last one. When he took the break in the Australia series after India were bowled out for whatever, 36 or whatever, 63 or whatever it was, 
in, in um, Adelaide. And then the results that followed with India winning that series. And Rahane as captain. With Rahane as captain. Did that send a message to his detractors, whoever they may have been, to say, look, we don't need this guy that much. He's not really that important. We can do all this without him. And did that, in fact, begin a process in some people's minds to say, maybe it's time to look for someone else? All of these are possibilities. It Nobody sounds to me like it's a power struggle, really. And that, I mean, I'm literally just reading between the lines here, but, you know, Virat with his, you know, I don't know, 150 million followers on Instagram and, you know, one of the most sought after names, sporting names on the planet, up there with the, the, the footballers, you know, Messi and Ronaldo and so on. I wonder if the Indian power brokers, you know, the board didn't really like the notoriety, the authority, the power that he had and saw it as an opportunity to just reduce that a bit. Who knows? May, may well have been the case, Sam, and I, I really can't say for sure. It is certainly a possibility. Uh, and you keep drawing parallels between large corporations, uh, famous artists, rebel tours like what you're seeing around golf now. You see all of those things and you ask yourself, uh, maybe there is indeed this, this power-broking game is, is so all-pervasive that when someone gets an opportunity, then they're going to try and put the other one down. But it's a shame if your own board did that to your own captain. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure. I, I realise it. You know, you it, it, it's not easy to know exactly, but just knowing kind of some of the big figures in Indian cricket and how they like they like power, don't they? Really, oh, yeah. and and you know, when you see a player like him or like Dhoni or obviously like Sachin before that, and and Sachin was a more deferential sort of character, wasn't he? Uh, Dhoni, uh, iconic. Kohli maybe a bit too sort of trenchant at times or something for their liking and you know wherever he goes so do about you know 50 million followers so he's like the Pied Piper isn't he he's got he's got a lot of support and yeah well it's fascinating really so yeah just one just one quick point on that I mean when it comes to power brokers or people enjoying power I don't think there are too many around the world who wouldn't enjoy power I mean, we've seen that in the in the corridors of cricket power worldwide. Mm. Um, it's happened here in the ECB. It's happened in the ICC. It's happened in other boards. Look at what the West Indies have gone through. So it's I think it's heady, isn't it? It's that heady feeling that I can now do what I want. Lalit Modi and the IPL. I mean, it's all 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 there. Mm. Okay. Well, listen, we're, we've got questions. Um, just one more thing, then. Let's just talk about the Test match. Mm -hmm. So. What do you sense? You're, you're in Birmingham, I guess. Um, I am. Any idea what, what team India is going to put out? Well, I think things, things are quite complex, aren't they? I mean, uh, Rohit's uh, obviously failed the test again on Wednesday. So there's going to be a test now. Maybe it's happening now, this evening. And he's captain. He is captain. And, and he's going to have another one tomorrow morning, is what uh, I've learned. Based on those two, they'll take a call. Because physically, apparently... He is not suffering from any serious symptoms at all. He says, I mean, again, this is secondhand, of course. He doesn't seem to have any fever or weakness or fatigue or anything like that. So if he's clear scientifically, then he probably will play and that will 
solve one problem, which is the conundrum of who's going to open the batting. Now, if he's unfit and can't play, then India are going to have to find a makeshift opener unless they are bold enough to blood uh, the, the young wicketkeeper, K.S. Bharat. Well, he's not really young, young, but uh, he's opened regularly for, for the state and he is an accomplished opener. He got some runs at Leicester as well, uh, but it will be a very brave call if they decide to blood him ahead of the two folks who I think could potentially open. Vihari is one and good old Cheteshwar Pujara. But uh, it's, it's unfair to them, in my opinion. But that's what will happen. They'll fill in the breach for the, for the team. So between, uh, between this, you'll find the opener replacing and playing with Gill. I think Pujara ought to bat number three. Virat will obviously bat number four. Uh, number five is, again, going to be a bit of an issue. If Vihari opens, that might allow India to actually be able to play uh, Shreya Sayar as well. Otherwise, it will be one of the two. Uh, and I think they'll go with Vihari uh, only because he's been there before. He's earned his credentials. He's been a, a human servant in many ways. Uh, six is going to be, uh, you know, and Pant, obviously. Uh, and then you have uh, the three, three quicks leaving really two positions to be sorted out. And that will, in my mind, be a toss-up between uh, Shardul Thakur, if India decide to go with another Seema, uh, and Ravi Chandran Ashwin and Jadeja. Though, if I was choosing, and I'm not, um, I would play Jadeja and Ashwin because I think in the kind of mood that the England batsmen are, uh, spin might be a much, much better and a more potent weapon against any kind of seam stuff. And the other interesting thing that I've picked up, and I hope I'm not reading too much into it, is we didn't see Shami uh, at the Nets today. So I hope he's all right, because he will obviously be with Bumrah, uh, the first choice. Uh, if not, then it's going to be uh, uh, Siraj uh, leading the attack along with Bumrah and probably Umesh Yadav filling in. So a bit of a few question marks. Uh, and it'll be an interesting evening for Rahul Dravid and his team tonight and tomorrow as he chooses his uh, side for uh, for Friday. Poor old Dravid, Rahul Dravid, has waded into a minefield and, and, and six India. captains, yeah, six <laughs> captains, yeah, and and India uh, who left Manchester because of COVID and now kind of come back and found COVID again. It's terrible. It's poor, poor thing. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's circle within a circle. And, well, Dravid could almost do the job himself, couldn't he? He could open the batting. Did you see, I suppose you saw the other day, uh, the masterclass that Sky did with Kumar Sagakara, who clearly yeah. hadn't batted for about four years and looked as if he could go out and play a test match again uh, tomorrow. I've just been with Kumar, actually, um, at a, a function in London and... I said to him, blimey, you were hitting the ball well, weren't you? And he said, yeah, it was quite good. He said it was quite good. He's now, now a resident of Dorset, Kumar oh, Sangakara, just from the last four days. He's moved to Dorset. He's brought his kids to go to school at Bryanston, hot off the press. Uh, so they'll be starting uh, their English schooling in September. And in the meantime, they're getting used to life in deepest, darkest Dorset, where we may have... A couple of our club members. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, let's have some questions, guys. You have from some questions? You have some questions? 
So who's going to start? I've noticed Pushka is with us tonight. Uh, Jacob's going to open the batting. Jacob's going to open the batting. Okay, and we'll have Pushka at some point. Yeah, I'll introduce Jacob, Pushka uh, to Jacob and Pushka. Are, so I'm going okay. To excellent. Um, yeah, that's a question. I've got two parts. If, if I can ask the second part, if I can't, that's fine. Um, the first part is obviously uh, Indian cricket has been pretty dominant in Test cricket for the last six seven years or so um and i'm just thinking if you know once this generation goes in this love affair with test cricket um you know if india isn't producing the goods if india start declining oh i'm, I'm looking at longer term here and uh, the, the the interest diminishes you know how do you see that being played out obviously because things are good there's interest because india win yes they've had some blips but you know with ipl growing and, you know, we hear about the attention span of the modern generation being less and less and all that kind of stuff. They want to see the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am stuff. Um, you know, how do you see that correlation um, in, the, in the medium to long term? Uh, but I think the answer is fairly simple. From, from the way I see it over the next decade, at least, if not longer, I think Test cricket from an Indian perspective is in very, very healthy hands. Because all these young lads who are coming through and getting these mega salaries and playing for the IPL teams, or what you saw in the Ranji Trophy this year, which was interrupted by the IPL, I think it is very clear that wearing whites for the country and playing test match cricket remains the epitome and the highest level of achievement that Indian cricketers, young and old, boys and girls, are seeing. So I don't worry at all for Indian contribution to test match cricket continuing in the same vein. There's enough enthusiasm, there's talent, of course, no problem at all. And I don't see that as a worry, not from an Indian perspective. Uh, and as long as test cricket is played, uh, even if people don't turn up at grounds, which has been one of the other challenges in India, the television rights take care of everything. So that's not a problem. Test cricket is followed. It's followed passionately. And the players see it as the, as the ultimate. So no worries. So do, do you think, I mean, with, with all the big IPL contracts and they're getting bigger and bigger, does, does representing India, honestly, in a in a test match for five days, some of the some of the days could be really grueling. Does it is it still important to them? Is it is it still relevant to them? Is it still jazzy? I can't speak. I obviously can't speak for anyone, but I would be very very surprised if you asked a, a Yashiswi Jaiswal or an Arshdeep Singh, who are the kind of players who haven't yet represented India in test match cricket, and told them that you will maybe get 10% of your IPL contract, but you'll get an India test cap. What would you prefer? I would like to believe that people like them, certainly both of them, will say the India test cap. Uh, because end of the day, uh, they know the IPL is going to be there. There are two ways of looking at it. One is, is there incentive to toil for 30 overs if you're a bowler or field for four and a half days or three days, whatever it is, if you're a batsman, uh, as opposed to bowling four overs and batting 20 overs for multiples of money. I think the other way of looking at it is to say that's all taken care of. So the economics don't matter anymore. Now it's the pride. Now it's the, 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 the joy, the honor of representing your country in the highest uh, test of that sport. That's the way I see it. And I genuinely would like to believe that that is not a problem with Indian youngsters. Thank you. I'll uh, I'll find out actually. That's a, that's a good answer, and 
I, I'm actually having dinner with Jaiswell <laughs> in about half an hour. So I'll ask him that very question, see if I can get the answer. You you uh, you put yourself about today, haven't you? Well, I, I was at a, an event with the, the Rajasthan Royals today, actually, and two or, th- two or three of the players are over for a few days. Right, well, well I'm, bringing give, I'm bringing the Raj in. Please congratulate Please congratulate Yashasvi for me. 100 in each innings of the Ranji Trophy. Uh, not, not, doesn't happen every day. Fantastic knock. Mm. Right, I'm bringing Naraj in. He's actually now in London. He, he came in on Saturday, I believe, on a train strike day. He thought, what the hell's going on in this country? But he's but I'm, here. I'm enjoying the weather right now. Superb. The weather is great. Enjoying good food. Yeah, yeah, we always have good weather, Niraj. It's, you know, it's a myth that it's a cold country. <laughs> so this is perfect. I mean, I was expecting much colder weather, but it's okay. Hey, Prakash. Hi. Hi, Simon. Hi How are hi. you? Good, good, good. Yeah. So basically, I'm from Mumbai. I've just come for the test match and for some golf and everything. Anyway, uh, what I see coming from India is that there are two uh, two camps in the Indian team now. There is the whatever you said and done, what it looks on on the field, but off the field. There is the Rohit Sharma camp and there's a Virat Kohli camp. This is what I feel and this is what the feelers I get from through some friends and you know how in India the, uh, it's how the connections work. And it has to do uh, behind because of the uh, uh, the uh, ads and your you know uh, your companies and you know your your contracts and all these things. So where does it lead to us you know as a, as a, as a cricket? Uh, who loves cricket, test cricket, this is not going to hurt us in the long run. I mean, I mean, there are only two, I mean, both have got a couple of years max now. They are 33, 34, and Rohit Sharma is not the, the fittest guy. So, where does it lead? And we don't have any bench strength in terms of batting. Bowlers, we have a amazing, ample, like 10 bowlers on a bench. We can replace them at any given time. But in batsmen, we don't have that quality bench strength. And plus this saga of this, you know, love and hate relationship, which I'm sure, you know, you don't quote here on this, on this, on this public, I mean, but uh, it's very obvious in India that there are two different camps now. And it's out of the hands of the board. Well, I'll take you back again in history. I'll take you back to the, to the 80s. And I'll take you back to what was said and spoken and written about Gavaskar and Kapil Dev. Were there, in fact, two camps? Probably were. Did they sort of have a love hate? Sure. But when they got onto the park and when they played cricket, I did not think that either of them would ever, ever compromise the interests of the team uh, for a personal goal. And I think that is equally true of Rohit and Virat. Uh, happened to know them a little bit. And, and I, this I can say, I think, with reasonable confidence that when they're out there playing, none of these things matter. I think what has also happened is media in India, and you live in Mumbai, so you know this very, very well. Many of our guests here who are living here may not necessarily know that much. Is the media has become like an insatiable animal. How much can you feed it? And if, it, if there isn't anything, you, you create stories. Uh, the television series that we've seen, yes, they're all based on real events, for sure. No denying that. But that brings out all these angles, right? So are you, I mean, I would never accept that if one fizzy com- drink company was offering a contract to A and not to B, that was going to be a reason for a problem. No, I don't think so. So I will not deny that there can be very strong views. You see how the Rohit Sharma supporters camp on social media and the Virat Kohli supporter camp on social media always want to put 
their guy on top. I think it is, it's, it's, it's like fan clubs arguing with each other. Do the two guys actually have a problem? I, I don't think it will affect the game ever, uh, especially when they're representing the country. In years to come, I mean, Bhupati and, and uh, Pace from tennis, for the Indian Express, multiple time winners of, of uh, Grand Slam doubles events. We all know what happened with them because it's now out in the public domain. But whenever they played together, whether it was in the Davis Cup or as a pair, it didn't affect the game. These are professional sports people. And to your question about do we have batting bench strength, all you have to do is go back and look at look at uh, what happened in Australia, just as an illustration. Look at what's happened in the Ranji Trophy. Look at the boys who are scoring runs by literally hundreds and have no chance of getting in because they are still 18th or 20th or 21st on the pecking list. So I don't think there's a problem. If there is a problem in talent terms, I actually think it's Indian spin that has a problem. Other than that, I don't think we have a problem anywhere else. Wow. So you, are, you, are you still, uh, you think India can win this test match? The way England is playing and India has not played a test match for a long time. Well, I'm going to... I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I always do this, right? There's a head answer and a heart answer, but this time it's different. I think in India, Indian bowlers will have to win the test match for India. The batters, batsmen are not going to win it. That's for sure. And because England are going so hard and playing this amazingly refreshing and entertaining band of cricket, therein lies the opportunity. If India can pierce that, break that down, there's a chance. If not, India will be blown away. I agree with you. I mean, my heart says India, but the head says it's going to be England. We'll find out in a few days. Look. Oh, they're gone. Right. Uh, up next, uh, it's uh, Clubman of the Year himself. <laughs> it's Pushka. Who, um, who's been in our club now for a, well over a year, uh, Prakash. And he's a, a stats guru. He's absolutely brilliant. I mean, I'll tell you, he, put, he knocks Zoltz, Andy Zoltzman, into a cop pack. Some of the stuff he comes up with. So, over to you, Pushka. Hi, Prakash. Hi. Nice listening to you. So, uh, basically, my question is that, is this the best fast-balling lineup India ever had? Because when I grew up in 90s, I see there was only Srinath who used to bowl, and then there was only support who used to come from Ankatesh Prasad, and there was a bowler who will come for, say, a couple of series, then it will change. And now we are seeing that India is winning tests because of the fast bowler. And that has somehow, we have the middle order problem, but the fast bowler has somehow managed to take into account of that. So is this the best fast bowling unit India ever had in men's test cricket? Well, I should, uh, first of all, what you said is absolutely right. Let, again, I seem to be going back in history a lot, showing everyone how old I am. But the reality is I used to see Bishan Bedi and Sunil Gavaskar open with the new ball. So, <laughs> You know, we've come a long way from there, <laughs> a really long way. Um, I think it's it's not by accident. I think it's a it's a whole series of work that's gone in. Uh, whether it was the MRF Pace Academy, whether it was the guys who came out there and worked, uh, T. A. Shekhar has done human service. Bharat Arun, before he became coach, bowling coach. Uh, I think also the fact that India started playing a lot more cricket overseas. Some Indian cricket pitches. Uh, changed their character a little bit. It allowed uh, domestic cricketers to, to aspire to be fast bowlers. And once you start building heroes, uh, then people follow. 
right? Uh, so when when Zahir Khan uh, burst on the scene, when now that there's Bumrah, there are kids bowling in the back alley trying to imitate Bumrah's action. I don't think anyone will, but the fact is it inspires people. Specifically to your question, I think this is probably the, the best lot of 10 or 12 uh, seam or quake or swing bowlers that India have produced and which has allowed India to rotate uh, players or manage in spite of injury. So the answer is yes. I would agree with that. Yeah. And my one my last part of this question. So if you see earlier, the mostly the cricket were dominated by the, say, you can say the big cities like the Bombay and Bombay, or you can say the Chennai or Bangalore right now. So uh, my question is, how much impact MS Dhoni has since MS Dhoni came from a small town, how much this impact does MS Dhoni have for a small town kids? Because now we are seeing players coming from as from a very rural background, also a very small tier two, tier three cities also. So yeah. Well, I think that that Pushkar is symptomatic of India as a nation. It goes way beyond cricket, way beyond cricket. Uh, businesses, talent, confidence, belief, uh, economic improvement—all of that has happened around the country. But limiting the answer to cricket specifically, uh, clearly MS Dhoni was, was a, a watershed. But it's not just MS Dhoni. I mean, you go back and think, we, we think of people who played for Mumbai or played for uh, Karnataka or Delhi as being, or Bengal as being the top players, but many of them actually moved from other states and came in and played there. Now, of course, you know, even from the time of Yuvraj Singh and Harbhajan Singh, uh, you know, Rishabh Pant comes from a small, small town in Uttarakhand. Uh, Yashasvi Jaiswal comes from the middle of Bihar and sold Wada Pao's while he was working on the ground uh, to, to do that. But way back in, in, uh, in, in, in history, uh, Budhi Kundaran came and slept on the benches outside the old Wankhede Stadium to be able to get a look in. So I think uh, what has happened now is that it is an economic avenue. It is something that allows people from wherever they are Meritocracy, I think, is getting much more importance than nepotism. Uh, and that is only great for, for cricket, both in India and I think worldwide. Thank you. Uh, but just before you go, um, uh, Pushka, um, do you think Bumrah is the best fast bowler India have ever produced? I'm just looking at his stats here. 123 wickets at, at 21, strike rate 49. So... Where does he sit, just from memory, rather than you having to go through your, your books? I think in Whitehall, he's the best. And in, in the test, I think he will be along with the Zahir Khan or the Kapil Dev. Right. Yeah. Because Zahir Khan was also the lone warrior uh, in the later of his career. There was no support for... Uh, but Umbra has a lot of support also from the other end. True. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay, thanks. Um, I guess you'll be watching it, uh, watching the test match anyway. And I, I hope you get some some good stats for us over the next few days. It'd be interesting to follow 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 Pushka's Twitter feed, um, and actually Kapil Dev uh, Prakash was from Haryana. Now where Haryana is that near Chandigarh? Chandigarh. Yeah. So Chandigar. that's not really kind of remote territory, is it? But no, no, no. no. That's, that's that new fast bowler's from um, from Nepal, isn't he? Uh, no, from uh, from Jammu and Kashmir, is he? Oman um, Malik. Yeah, Oman Malik. And, and Irfan Patan deserves a lot of credit for that. Right. Okay. He worked, worked quite a bit in, in the state to help unearth this talent. Um, just, just quickly before we go, one, one more question. Have we got, have have we got another question yet? Oh, we have got another question. Another question. Chris, we have another question. Um, you, that, uh, Prakash, that kind of 
uh, evolution of uh, Indian society you talked about, you know, how businesses are now sprouting up in, you know, smaller towns and, uh, you know, the, it's a much more uh, a sort of deeply woven society than, than it was with a, a much bigger middle class and so on. Did, did, did the IPL help that? Do you think the IPL was a catalyst for India's economic drive? I, I think, I mean, to be fair, Simon, I think it would be stretching it to say that the IPL was a was a significant uh, catalyst. I think the IPL definitely has a role because of the economic multiplier that it creates. Um, leave aside just the players and their well-being and their economic stature changing, but all the stuff that goes around the IPL, uh, from kits and jerseys to travel to you know, uh, hotels, service staff, uh, medical equipment, cricket equipment itself, the grounds being utilized, therefore the groundsman, the ground staff. So there is a multiplier effect. But I think uh, to equate that uh, as a, or to state that as a significant uh, part of the impetus that the Indian economy has got might be pushing it a little. But the fact remains that it is synonymous. It is, it is sort of, reflective of what is happening in other sectors of the Indian economy. Okay. Damn, that's foiled my documentary pitch. Never mind. Yeah. Now, uh, I've got a question for Sudarshan. Before it's bring him on, um, I just I love that thing that, um, that uh, Pushka said about Zahir Khan being called the lone warrior. Were you ever called the lone warrior at Middlesex, Simon? Uh, Lone warrior. No, I was called the I was called the village idiot a few times. And the <laughs> my best nickname, my my favourite nickname actually was Heinz Fifty Seven Varieties. Well, and that was... that also that wasn't only deliveries; that was personality traits as well. Fair dues, fair dues. By the way, I'm going to bring such in. Have either of you had the chance today to see the uh, Steve Smith runout? Oh, because you should. Because it is top draw entertainment. Oh, he gets okay. absolutely sold by uh, Kuwaja halfway down the track, then turns back and dives, covered in the sort of the red, the red sort of uh, soil because it's a bit of a bunsen, and he just goes off, shouting at Kuwaja. It's it's comedy gold. So we like that, right? I'm bringing Sudarshan on, right? Hi, good evening, Prakash. Good evening, Simon. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. My question. Oh, it's called. Oh, what's that? Paul David as our coach, and he was appointed. In my mind, without taking into account a lot of. <clears throat> lot Sorry, of the other start, very, very... start again. We lost your question. Where Sorry. Where are you, by the way? I'm in Dubai. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, we've got Rahul David as our coach, and he was selected in my mind at least, without due process being followed because they were really good candidates from India who were available. And if you look at the coaches that have really made big changes, guys like Bayless, guys like Baz right now, or Shastri, these guys actually transformed their teams. Whereas if you look at coaches like Langer and Rahul, they're doing more of the same. Do you think that will, in the long run, at least in the next three to five years, impact this team adversely, especially given that Rahul is coaching all the three teams? Well, first of all, I, I must, uh, in, in all fairness, uh, uh, you know, make a disclaimer. I am very, very positively 
predisposed to Rahul Dravid, the individual. So you must take what I say with that caveat. Uh, but that apart, I actually don't necessarily agree with you uh, in, in your uh, point about due process. Because what is due process with the BCCI? Uh, let's be honest. Like parts of the ICC, they decide on who they want. And then they do everything around it to make it appear like there's process. So there's obviously due process as defined by that. That's not never, never was an issue. I think as the transition occurs from the, uh, shall we say, the current crop of senior players to the newer ones, Rahul Dravid is probably the most competent person to do it because many of those, if not all of them, have actually come through his eyes under the NC, uh, NCA or the under-19 or the A-teams for India. Uh, to your point about those who've made changes, to my mind, it's, it's success that defines it. Uh, we don't know what Langer did or didn't do. Uh, we don't talk about John Wright. We talk about uh, Gary Kirsten because India won the World Cup when he was coach. But I think what contribution John Wright made is humongous in terms of Indian cricket. So I think Rahul has hardly been coached long enough, uh, first of all, to give the guy a fair run and then judge him. Uh, I think he'll manage the transition well. He's a very different person from uh, Ravi Shastri, obviously, as a personality. And yes, if results don't go his way or his team's way, like he did with his captaincy, he won't hang around to be told. That much I can almost guarantee. Fair point. Fair point. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, interesting question. And I, I must admit, I, I've got the highest admiration for Raul as well. And uh, he, he, I'm sure he will be able to adapt to whatever circumstances uh, pertain, really. And he's just someone who, and actually, in a way, I wonder if it's good that it's not Coley as captain, because I can sort of see a relationship with Raul, Raul, um, Rohit Sharma that might be a bit more cohesive than... Coley must be not not an easy man to deal with. So to, to, to just to finish off then, um, Prakash, Rohit Sharma as captain. Just just tell us about him. What what sort of captain is he, and you know how will he go? Do you think? You know, I've always believed uh, um, yours that that Rohit is a far far better white ball captain than a red ball captain, um, and I think it is because he is uh, a much much better reader or just of the shorter game. I think he likes to keep things moving forward. We haven't seen him long enough in Test Match Cricket to be fair, to, to pass any judgment. But just intuitively, you know, if you, if you looked at Dhoni's career, you always said that in Test Matches, he tended to let the game drift. Uh, he, was, he was much more proactive in the shorter game. I think Rohit's a bit like that. Also, because I think Rohit's earned a lot of his uh, captaincy spurs, if you will, uh, doing white ball captaincy, whether it was the Mumbai Indians or or other other formats when he stood in. So his test match credentials are obviously yet to be proven. He has led India in what? Uh, four tests at home, against New two against New Zealand, two against Sri Lanka. If my memory serves me right, Pushkar will probably correct me uh, if I'm wrong. But uh, it's very early days for him. Uh, the challenge for him, I think, is going to be kind of similar to what it was for Saurav Ganguly when he had the seniors in the squad and he had to play with them. And I think in that, my personal view, the absence of Ajinkya Rahane in the squad, not necessarily to play, 
makes a huge impact because in my view, Jinx was that sort of, uh, you know, balancing um, act, if you will, between not necessarily camps, but certainly between one type of mindset versus the other type of mindset. And he would, he was that sort of perfect balance and his absence, I don't know, Cheteshwar is not the kind of guy who is, is sort of into uh, this kind of stuff, but Puji is the only one who gets close to it. Okay, well, if, if Rohit's got any sense, he's got um, a negative COVID test in his pocket that he, <laughs> that he can produce tomorrow because it's going to really throw the cat amongst the pigeons if he can't play. Uh, clearly. And so I do hope he can play because I, I want to see him bat anyway. I, I just love watching him bat. That innings he played at Lords last year, opening the batting uh, in a very difficult situation was absolutely nice. incredible. Incredible. Nice. So um, I do hope he gets through uh, uh, in his fitness test. I think we'll leave it there, Prakash, actually. Um, you've done a sterling service, uh, nearly an hour on the show. Um, lots of interesting questions, lots of good thoughts. Uh, time for dinner for everybody uh, so I think we'll call it quits at that and um, look forward to listening to you on Friday on TMS and uh, thank you everybody for, for joining again thanks very much for the questions some of them uh, all the way from India uh, so thanks everybody for being members again of the club um, I'm going to talk Kumar into coming on either next Wednesday or the one after so He'll be definitely one of our next two guests. Sports Social Podcast Network.